0: And welcome to Chumming It Up with Shark and Giphy. Alongside of us is Jose Young, MMAFighting.com reporter and host the Aside podcast. Is that correct, Jose? The Aside, yeah. Aside, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Jose, I I know you were in Abu Dhabi for the past three months. How was that experience and can you fill us in about the the fight island quote unquote uh
1: it was a trip man so i was actually i drove to vegas because there was a fight card in vegas there was the Colby covington time woodley fight card so i had to drive up there and then i had to take a couple COVID tests i'm um, actually supposed to drive up to vegas uh thursday for the fights this weekend too um, and then i had to quarantine in a ufc hotel and then i went to cover the fights and then from the flights, I had to go back to the hotel, quarantine, pack up, and then they shuttled us, uh, a couple of the media and like, UFC staffers and everything to this chartered flight, this Emirates flight. I think it was Emirates, it was one of, the, one of them. And uh, it was basically a 16-hour straight shot to Abu Dhabi. We landed. We're 12 hours ahead of Arizona too, so we basically lost two days of my life. And then from that point on, we just landed. We quarantined for 48 hours took a million tests and then from that point on it was just fights 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 for the next five weeks
0: oh that sounds like brutal but I mean not only from a traveling standpoint not from a content standpoint because that's was, your job it was
1: good for content it got a little, it got a little old quickly because it was sort of, it was similar to the NBA bubble where no one could get in or out so the I, so they had there was a main road it was like a freeway. And they put barricades on the end of the road and they could open the barricades for specific like buses or shuttles from the airport to and from and it was like it was like a resort area like like did like the NBA bubble was like the Disneyland area. So they had three hotels, the arena and then the beach, the beach area, which is where you saw the octagon on the beach. And They had a couple of the press conferences on the beach. So we could only go to those places. No one could come in or out. We couldn't get mail. There were no cars on
2: the road, wow. uh,
1: so we could have basically go from hotel to fighter hotel to the arena and back. And then there was like a little snippet of the beach that we were allowed to go to just to get out for a little bit, but it got old pretty quickly.
2: Yeah. I mean, that year—that's that's like you literally like went on Survivor. You were just covering fights instead of competing. Like it's. It was basically like it a was a. It was five
1: star jail. That's what I said. Uh, that's how I described it. Because we couldn't we couldn't go anywhere. The hotel was really nice. The staff was really nice, but nothing. like like, it would have been a really cool trip if we were allowed to do things. Because if you know anything about Abu Dhabi, it's basically just tours and trap. Like they have this water park that's insane. They have the world's fastest roller coaster. Uh, they have this thing called Ferrari World, which is like an
0: amusement park for cars. That's uh, sick. That's awesome. They have a Formula One track
1: that you can rent cars, and drivers will just zip you around really fast. So it's like a Disneyland for adults. And we couldn't do any of it. We were just relegated to the hotels. Tease, big yeah, tease. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent of tease. Everything was expensive, but it is what it is. It was a fun. It was a it was a productive trip. I wouldn't say it's fun because I just worked all the whole time. So I'll call it productive.
2: Okay. All right. Well, that's a that's a that's a work trip that you know. I mean, you could know, have been expensive, know. but you were literally there. Yeah, that's crazy. Hey, so um, one of the um, obviously one of the fights uh, for Fight Island was uh Khabib Nurmagomedov never get met off against um, um, Justin Gagey And yeah. honestly with him retiring and with the lightweight division now kind of in flux um, because of that. Um and I know that Dana White said the other day that the Dustin Poirier-Connor fight that's scheduled for next year That's not going to be for any sort of interim belt. So what do you think happens? And how do you think that shakes out? You think Habib's retired? What do you think he comes out for? GSP? I think there's a few fights that'll get him
1: out. I think if Tony Ferguson beats Michael Chandler I think he'll fight Tony Ferguson. I think he wants to retire 30-0 But at the end of the day, it's up to his, his mom. He said like it's after the passing of his father His mother kind of pulled him aside and was like, you know, you have enough money, we don't want you. You have your own family now, like you don't need to be fighting anymore. So, Habib said he was going to retire, but he would have one final talk with his mom uh, to make that deciding factor. And we don't know what his thing is, but his manager, Ali Abdelaziz, tweeted 30-0 and a picture of Habib. Uh, And he's still in the USANA testing pool, for those those people that aren't aware. Uh, The UFC and USANA have a partnership where they can randomly test you at any point. Anywhere, and you have like if you sign a contract with the UFC, you get this you saw the app and you have to update it all the time. So, if you're a UFC fighter and you're going to Alaska on a cruise, you have to literally write, I am going to Alaska. And if you are in the middle of the woods camping in Alaska, you sign up to know where you are. They find you and they That's show great. up and they show you a badge and they say, Pee in this cup right now. That's basically just to catch you, uh, see if they can try to do so. You, if you once you retire, you're out of the pool you're out of the testing pool, and that really determines whether you're you're, you're officially retired. Habib's still in the testing pool. Uh, like, for example, Daniel Cormier retired. He is not in the testing pool anymore. Not that he would take steroids, but once you're out of the pool, you're out, you're out of the UFC pretty much. you retire. So Habib's still in the pool. So until he pulls out of the USADA, USADA testing program, I'm not going to close the door on that. But if he does, in this hypothetical world, officially retire, uh, Dustin and Connor will fight. I think the winner should probably fight for a championship. I think Tony Ferguson and Michael Chandler will probably fight. I think Rafael Dos Anjos, who just won this past Saturday, uh, should fight Justin Gaethje, and there should be some sort of round robin. Like uh, in, a, in a perfect world, there would be a tournament, like an eight, like elite eight, but Dana White historically hates Grand Prix like Pride did, or what Bellator is doing, which, because Dana White hates everything that makes sense. Um, that should be the path. A tournament is easy. If Connor doesn't want to enter the tournament because he doesn't want to be in the tournament, he just wants to fight for the title. I would say make Dustin and Connor round one for the belts. Then the belt just travels with him. So on the other side, it would be two non-title fights. And then whoever, and then the belt is just in the tournament, and then the fu- the final fu- finale would be for the belt. So if that's the that's case, that's what it would they did be with Bellacourt, right?
2: They like the they welterweight did. ground yeah, yeah. they had, and, and and it traveled all the way through. Yeah, they did that with the, well, the heavyweight Grand Prix. was for a vacant title, so there was no belt that
1: Ryan Bader won. And then uh, you are correct. Roy McDonald entered the welterweight Grand Prix, and he eventually lost to uh, Doug, uh, Douglas Lima. That once who in the championship, but he was in there. Currently, right now, the Featherweight Grand Prix is going on. Patricio Pitbull, that just you know, he just knocked out uh, Pedro Carvalho in about ninety seconds last weekend. He's still the that's champ. So if that now if that's, four that's four the case, I would I would want that. That is the perfect scenario, but I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I think because technically, Poirier and Connor's not even signed yet for January twenty third. I don't know where that fight would even be. It could be Fight Island. It could be Vegas. Uh, I think. The Abu Dhabi government wants Connor in Abu Dhabi because they would try to sell some sort of tickets in that bubble, like maybe a thousand, two thousand for all the sheiks and everyone. Um, But I think we gotta sign that one first. We gotta figure out what's going on with the beef. And if Justin, if 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 Michael Chandler does fight Tony Ferguson, that should be for number one contender fight. And then if there's an interim title again. Justin Gaethje has to be involved. There's just a lot of things that have to. There's a yeah. lot of things that
2: have to happen in the lightweight. there's a ton of moving parts. And the thing, like, I don't. Uh, my only thing with with Khabib is that if they need to go the opposite route with him and Tony, they need to basically do a spot fight. Because every time they announce this thing, something kooky happens, mm-hmm. and then either Tony like blows out his ACL going over some cables, or just so you know, or, or what have you. So Pan- like, I feel like if yeah, pandemic. So like, they literally just have to go. A week out and go. Oh yeah! By the way, this has been signed for three months, and they're going to fight next week just to make sure. Yeah, that that's
1: that's what everyone keeps saying, and that does It, it is an interesting concept. the Habeez not going to want to do that. Oh, Dana, I
2: mean Dana. Yeah, yeah. I, like you said for the for the tournament thing. Like in a perfect world, that would happen, but obviously, yeah. you know, Dana wants to put the, the the momentum. So, I wanted to talk about um, Kazmat Madchymayev. This guy yeah. is on an absolute rocket ship right now. I mean, yeah. he's, 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 he's Merkin Dudes at 70, he's Merkin Dudes at 85. So a couple of th- a couple of questions. One, do you think that the hype train stops against Leon Edwards? That's a tough fight. I mean, Leon hasn't fought anybody for a while, and no one really wants to fight him, it seems like. And two, can you really sustainably market this guy as a two-weight or weight-class fighter? Because essentially, you have to book two fights per like literally two fights at a time so do you think yeah. that continues or do you think basically like they you're like, gonna have to tell him to pick one at some point uh, they're gonna have to tell Hamza to pick one at some, at some certain point
1: but this he's and that's only because like he could theoretically he could easily be the 185 or 170 champion he's that he is as legit a prospect as they come like he, he holds the record already he's only been in the UFC for Less than a year, maybe five months, and he's already three and out So he's probably his next fight's the last on his contract, his UFC rookie contracts are just four fights. So he's either re upped or is going to re up. The thing with Hamza is his first fight was a last minute fight. Normally fights at one hundred seventy. Uh, He took that fight, I believe it was against Brett Johns, if I'm not mistaken. Brett Johns is the 185-er. The only reason he fought at 185 is because he didn't have enough time to cut to 170. So he agreed to move up in weight last minute. His his second fight against Reese McKee was at 170. But Reese McKee is technically a lightweight, who took the fight on short notice and went up to 170. His third fight against Gerald Gerald Mirshard, he was a legitimate 185. Now, Hamza has 3-0 in the UFC. He's never fought a legitimate welterweight before. He's fought two middleweights. Brett Johns is great. He's no longer in the UFC, and you, if you want to know why? It's because he's, there's a reason he's not in the UFC anymore. Reese McKee just lost. Joe Mershart has double-digit losses as it is. So all good wins. I'm not. I can't remember a time in UFC history where someone was unranked and is basically fighting a number one contender fight right now. Leon Edwards has a legitimate argument to be fighting. Kamaru Usman for the UFC Ultimate Championship Award. The only thing that was holding him back was the pandemic because he was stuck in England. He couldn't get out because they closed the the country. Now he was scheduled to fight Tyron Woodley in March in London, a headlining event uh, in his backyard. If he had won that, he would fight Kamaru Usman. Obviously the fight didn't happen. Instead, they booked Tyron Woodley against Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns just destroys Tyron Woodley. Now he's fighting for the title. So it's not that Leon Edwards doesn't want to fight. People don't want to fight Leon Edwards. It's that he can't get out of the country for a while. He's not sure. the most exciting guy. He makes you look bad. Uh, he doesn't have to. He does have a few good knockouts, but basically he's the antithesis of Hamza Shamayev. Hamza is charismatic. He has that like, like that Dagestani uh, accent, like the broken English, where he just wants to fight all of the time. He doesn't care who it is. So, But if he beats Leon Edwards, which is a huge task, because Leon Edwards I think is number three at 170 pounds right now, I can I will not put it past the UFC to give Hamza Shamaya a title shot, and I think he would deserve it after being Leon Edwards. The only people That's above me. it, that the only wild. people above Leon Edwards are Colby Covington, who's number one, and Gilbert Burns is number two, and of course the champion, Kamar Usman. So if he can all of a sudden dethrone Leon Edwards, who's on, I think, an 8-9 fight win streak the last time he lost was to Kamar Usman, the Hamza train is real, but this is, the I think, the first legitimate welterweight test we'll see him in.
2: Yeah, I watched. Um, I ended up seeing the because um, I think BT Sport did like this whole pre-package on Leon Edwards that that somehow got leaked when the fight didn't happen, and it was like the one, of the best the one, the
1: one where he's like he's talking the about cartoon. being stabbed up and yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Leon That's Edwards about, Leon Edwards is about that life, man. He's been like stabbed up. He's been in all kinds of like scraps. Like one of his charities, right? Like that, he's working towards is to is to stop the stabbings in the UK because obviously in the UK you're not allowed to carry uh, like you can't get hand like guns as easily as you can in the United States, so people just resort to stabbing people all the time. So uh, Leon Edwards is about that life. He's uh, just unfortunate that not not enough Americans know who he is.
2: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the only way they know him is the three piece in a soda from from Jorge, and, it, and it's a so bad. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, So I know you, you mentioned earlier and you kind of un- unknowingly took the piss out of my question. But I was going to ask you, what is the deal with Dana in tournaments? Because like you said with lightweight, it only makes sense to do that when the title is in flux or even say, for instance, with 205. When John Jones basically cleans out an entire division, if you're looking to raise an entire division up and try to make these guys stars and make people care about 205 again, you know, why not? What is with him turn? I don't get it. Like, everyone else does it. Is it just because people did it before him and it wasn't his idea? A little bit. Uh, I know he, he's not a. Like, he's, a, a, that is part of it, like Dana White likes to
1: kind of be the guy that comes up with his own ideas, it's kind of like Vince McMahon in the WWE, but it also kind of holds up the division for a while, he really likes to make these big super fights happen, like, Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz would never have happened if there was a tournament, uh, because that was, that, Conor was supposed to fight at 155, and then Nate filled in last minute, and it had to be 170, tournaments kind of, like and if there is an injury, you, you have to have replacement fighters, and if there's a replacement fighter and he doesn't end up fighting, like what do you do with him? So it just holds up a division for too long, I think. And the UFC has so many cards, they need to fill these slots that like Bellator does a good job with it. I think K1 did the best job with it. They did the K-1 Grand Prix back in the early 2000s with kickboxing. I think Bellator is doing their best. Strike force historically has had some phenomenal, especially that, that heavyweight Grand Prix they had in like 2010, 2011, should have been the most stacked heavyweight tournament in the history of it. You
2: had a bunch Everyone of injuries got,
1: there too, right? A bunch of injuries got hurt. Daniel Cormier ended up winning, and he was originally an alternate. Like, he had to fill in. So you, it's 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 a good idea in theory until everyone starts to get hurt and you don't get the matchups you want. Like you want Connor versus Habib. What if Connor loses and you don't get that? So Dana doesn't want to risk these big money fights in a tournament because then you get guys like like John Fitch, who is one of the best welterweights in the history of MMA, one of the most boring as, as, as a lot of fans say. He's not the most exciting. He basically just controls you for for three five rounds. Ben Askren was the same way. You get guys like that that don't take damage and just make your exciting fighters look terrible. You don't want that. Like those guys are built for tournaments. They don't. They they. They like Ben Asking just hold you down like a big brother and says try to get up for fi- for fifteen minutes. You can't do it. You end up losing without throwing a single punch. The UFC doesn't want that. They don't want these grinding wrestlers to knock out their superstars. So I I think it's ridiculous. I think the tournaments solve everything. But the lightweight division is so stacked. Uh, Anyone in that top five could be champion. I think I, I, wanted, I wanted a Bantamweight Titan Grand Prix before a lightweight one, but honestly, we're never going to um, – until there's a vacant title again, like a new title. Like, you remember when they yeah. introduced the Flyweight Tournament, the Flyweight Championship, they had a Final Four, they had uh, Ian McCall, yeah. Joe B, Formiga, DJ, they had all those guys. And then when they introduced the women's strawweight division or the women's flyweight division, they made that about the ultimate fighter. They put 16 people in a house, and then they fought through a bracket. So until they introduce, say, like a super heavyweight or a women's atom weight, I don't think we're going to see a tournament anytime soon.
2: Uh, that's a bummer. Yeah, but like, can you it's imagine, like, like it, it, all of a sudden you get a, a lightweight tournament announced, and it's Connor, and it's Dustin, and it's Tony, and it's, you know, uh, Gagey, and it's, you know, it, like you have, like, a top eight that are just – like everyone would be so jacked for that, it would be it'd be insane.
1: Yeah, it's. I don't get it. I think also because like Connor fights once a year, maybe you stick him in a tournament, you kind of ha- he has to be on a schedule, and yep. I don't think Connor's own team can keep Connor on a schedule. I've been around Connor very long enough to know that he kind of plays by his own rules and what well, marches to the beat of his own drum. That if he wins and all of a sudden he looks down, and he goes, oh, it looks, like I have to fight." Dan Hooker next, like that's Connor's not going to do that. No one, yeah, no way, good. Connor does that yet. So uh, I wish it. I wish it were true. I wish Connor would join a tournament, UFC tournament, but not going to happen anytime soon. Um,
2: hey, so um, obviously uh, we can't get in an, M- an MMA conversation without obligatory John Jones talk. So um, mm-hmm. I, 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 I have a quick question for him. So right now, from what I've read and from everything that I've heard, it's Nganu versus Stipe, or at least that's what they want to do next. Mm-hmm. Stipe's been hemming and hot because he already beat him once and he kind of just wants something else. Maybe mm-hmm. he wants the John Jones payday. Um, do, do you think that the Nganu Stipe fight happens, or do you think that Stipe has a little bit of leverage and says, eh, throw John Jones in the mix and I want to get that payday?
1: Uh, it's, it's Francis Gano is the only person Stephen Miochis to fight and normally I am so in favor of fighters getting the big payday because if anyone wants to walk into an octagon and fist fight a human being you should get paid the biggest paycheck every single time that's just the matter that's just like if so if Conor wants to hold out for more money so be it if Henry wants to hold out for more money so be it it's like in the NFL Some, someone holds out you shouldn't hold it against them they're risking their 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 brain like to just slam on like get paid young man get out while you still can Um, the problem is Francis is a Francis is a big is a draw like he is a draw he has three knockouts in less than like in less than a minute like 50 seconds 15 seconds 18 seconds like no one should skip over Francis and Ghana I know the UFC is really trying to break into the African market too Uh, he's from Cameroon also the uh, mixed martial arts just became legalized in France uh, and he also has he has Parisian roots. So if they really want to break into the African-France market, that's a perfect idea. they should probably have a heavyweight that's from Africa that moved to France and speaks fluent French in some sort of big-money fight. He, there's no man. way yeah. you can skip over France and Dino. John Jones is taking his time to move up to heavyweight. I would not hate uh, if Francis... Say if if is hurt and doesn't want to fight anytime soon, Francis John is a perfect fight. I think Francis oh would actually... Gosh. Francis would entertain that fight. I know for a fact, I don't know if John takes it. I would easily favor John Jones in that fight too. Uh, but Francis needs to be fighting for some sort of championship next either a big money fight like Jones or Steve and that's the only two fights that Francis should
2: be uh, considering right now. I that that fight that Nganu had with uh, with Strike that 18 second. Modeling, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that like the wind generated from Ngannou's punches would have knocked out Rose and strike on that night Yeah, I can't he's, he's uh, can't uh, and that
1: wasn't even the game plan. I spoke to Francis's coach and they actually put together a game plan And then he won in 18 seconds and his coach was like Well, what are you going to do? Yeah, <laughs> what are you, you can't complain of that But they, like if you look at those punches, those are terrible punches Like his chin no, is right out there He's like winging in these punches, but like who cares if you connect? You can't do that against John Jones uh, you can't yeah, do that right. against Steve Miocic. So uh, Francis is supposedly a different fighter now. they he's just training uh, in Las Vegas full time. Uh, he left his longtime coach. So, uh, but I still favor Steve Bay to win that fight. But Francis has done more than enough to earn that rematch.
2: Um, so, kind of uh, going to the um, kind of the like you mentioned beforehand. The, the the no tournaments and Dana likes to do the uh, the super fights. Um, if there's a super fight, that I guess I'll ask you two questions. What's the soup? The next super fight that you think is going to happen versus the one that you want to happen? Let's give it two years because a lot of these things have to kind of add up. People have to defend, you know, belts and weight classes or what have you. So what's one that you think will happen in the next two years and one that you want to see happen in the next two years?
1: Jan is most likely going to fight Israel Adesanya next, champ versus champ, so I think that's an easy pick for which one I think will happen next and after that. I favor Izzy in that fight, and then Izzy John Jones at light at heavyweight or light heavyweight. I'm fine with any of those guys. Um, I also, not even in the UFC, Patricio Pitbull is the current lightweight and featherweight champ at Bellator. He, if you've ever stood, stood next to him, he's not big at all. He could be a bantamweight. He's like Frankie Edgar's size. He could cut down to 135. He, I think I would – he already beat Juan Archuleta, who's the current bantamweight champ. Patricio Pippo could be a triple champion. He could be lightweight, featherweight, and bantamweight champion at Bellator. He's that good and uh, that talented. Um, it's tough, man. If, if Bellator does cross promotion with KSW, I would like to see Ryan Bader was filled to freeze. That would be a fun fight. If Anderson signs a Belgian or a Ryzen, I would really like to see Gegard Mousasi, Anderson Silva on a Ryzen card in a ring on New Year's Eve oh. or, or or MVP
2: versus Anderson Silva, that would be fun too. Um, Anderson Silva you... and Ryzen would be fun because he can take yeah. all of the Mexican supplements at that point. He could. Uh,
1: <laughs> Jane, Jane Wa- Valentina versus Jane Wadalee, if they keep winning would be another fun scrap. I know everyone wants to see Valentina Mane Nunes. But I think uh, Zhang Wiley is much more suited to f- to fight a flyweight than Valentina is to fight a bantamweight, and I think Amanda's going to retire pretty soon, so which is unfortunate because I do want to see the rematch with Cyborg. Uh, so there's a lot out there, but uh, honestly, the MMA landscape right now, outside of middleweight, there's really no champion that's cleaned out their division because uh, sure. Jan is new, uh, Manu is on her way out, uh, and she still has to fight Megan Anderson, and then after that, I think I don't think she has anyone left to fight. Yeah, so Peter there's, Young a big, just there's, got the belt. like, there's, there's. Yeah, yeah Peter there's, just got the belt. Figueroa just got the belt. Like, if you go, like, maybe if Hamza beats Leon Edwards and then beats Camaro, uh, I could see him going for a middleweight title too, try to become champ, champ. Uh, or if GSP wants to come back and fight Habib, that would be another big one too. But uh, there's, I think the, the easy answer is Jan Blachowicz versus Adesanya, just because that's
2: probably going to happen in March.
1: Good. So, what
2: what do you think of uh, of Especially with Izzy's frame, and I know Izzy's tip. I mean, obviously he cuts weight to go to eighty-five, but basically, kind of is, yeah. So I, I'm I'm kind of curious why why now to two hundred five for him because he's only had a couple of defenses, and I know eventually he probably wants to get to John Jones, but why why the move now to two hundred five? Just because you know, um, just because of of just timing as far as who has the title, or what do you think the reason is to go up to two hundred five now?
1: I just think there's no one for him to fight a middleweight right now that's fresh for him.
2: If he had be, if,
1: if Jared Cannonier had beaten Robert Whitaker, it would be Izzy Cannonier. Easy. Um, Israel to pitched a perfect game against Robert Whitaker. That was not a close fight. Um, I would like to see the rematch as a fan, just because I think Robert Whitaker was not himself in that fight. Uh, but we're not going to, that just doesn't sell. Like, why would someone want to pay $65 to watch someone who just got their ass beat? A year ago by the same guy. So I get it. Um, unless they wanted to put that in New Zealand because New Zealand's COVID regulations are a little more lax now because they've actually done a good job at containing it. So if they want to put that fight in New Zealand and actually put fans down there, obviously Whitaker's from Australia and Izzy's from New Zealand. Didn't
2: Whitaker off. already come up and that he wasn't interested though in a rematch?
1: No, he very much wants that rematch. Very bad. Okay. Dana White makes Dana White will say he doesn't want the rematch, but he spoke to our site uh, last week with my co- co- colleague Mike Heck. Robert Whittaker wants that fight bad. He said he will go up to light heavyweight to fight Israel Adesanya again. Wow. The only so thing bad. he asked for is he wanted to take Christmas off because he's, it's Christmas. He just fought in October, um, and he has a new son on the way. So in like the next few weeks, he's gonna be a, he's gonna have a new son. So he's like, I don't want to be in fight camp right now. As my wife is nine months pregnant. I just fought. I'll fight him in February or I'll fight him in March. That's fine. Dana White twisted his words around and saying, Oh, Robert Whitaker doesn't want to watch want the fight anymore. And Robert Whitaker's like, that's not true at all. I'll go uh, if Izzy beats john I'll go up to the headway and fight him there. If Robert Whitaker wants that fight bad. Uh if if Robert Whitaker 205 is terrifying. If Darren Till had fought Hannagon Hurt and fought and fought Jack Hermanson and beaten Jack Hermanson I have a feeling the UFC probably would have turned around and made uh, Adesanya Darren Till instead Uh, and gave Jan Blachowicz Glover to share, which I would have been totally fine with. Uh, It would have have sucked for Rob Whitaker because he deserves it, but it's it's a fast matchup for both men. Uh, They're just doing it to make money right now. Plus, I think Izzy wants to get John Jones' vacant belt and then laugh at him and then they can fight a heavyweight. So I think Izzy's just trolling John Jones at that point.
0: Yeah, so so Jose, uh, I know you're an expert on the mats, and I know you're located out uh, of Phoenix right now. Mm-hmm. Um, as you may have heard, Chris Paul got traded there. Yeah. I, I guess what's what's the atmosphere like? Are, are is Phoenix you know a little it's rowdy? Bit,
1: it's bittersweet. It's bittersweet because we loved Kelly Oubre. We loved that guy. He like he injected so much energy into that team. He was basically like our version of Marcus Smart. Yeah. But Kelly Oubre could actually score at a consistent rate, like Marcus Smart. (laughs) So Kelly Oubre joined the team and it was like off a trade or something, and then just fell in love with the city, fell in love with his teammates, like him, Booker, Aiden, Ricky Rubio, like even Josh Jackson for a minute, Cam Johnson, like that young core, Kelly Oubre was like the linchpin. Uh, He was really involved with the community. He's a beautiful man. He's like Oklahoma City just got the most beautiful basketball player <laughs> in the world. So uh, it's bittersweet, man. Everyone really liked him, but I can't lie. Yeah. I'm really excited, I'm really excited about Chris Paul. It'd be like if, if the Celtics, remember like in 2010, 2011, they were talking about training Rondo Yeah, Chris Paul. Yeah. It would have been bittersweet because we all love Rondo, but like
0: Chris yeah. Paul is Chris Paul. Agreed. And we're going to talk about this, you know, in, the sh- in, in our podcast as well, but... Ultimately, Monty Williams um, and Chris Paul, they now get back together because they had mm-hmm. ties with the New Orleans Hornets. So, yeah. um, Jose, I think you earned your paycheck on this podcast. We really appreciate trying, it. Man. And I'm uh, trying, man.
1: Hopefully, I can get out there and for Christmas and we can uh, link up in person.
0: Oh, for sure, for sure. And you know, thanks for joining. And you made gifts day because he is such a <laughs> MMA fanatic. As you can see, I,
2: hope
0: you guys, I was.
2: I was watching the fights this
0: weekend. Oh yeah, now I will. Now that I'm educated on it, the thing is, I I think a lot of people should like listen to you and your expertise and learn more about the sport like I did during this podcast because it's very informative. It's inter- interesting, interesting. And, and it's, it's not even upcoming. It's there. Like it, yeah. it, there's no more on the rise with MMA. It's there and it's there to stay. So, um, and again, we appreciate your time and, uh, hopefully we can have you back on before, you know, a big tourney and, you know, talk it up again.
1: hundred percent, man. You let me know and I'll be there.
0: All right. Sounds good. We appreciate your time. And, uh,
1: Thanks, Jose. Appreciate
0: it, man. Have a great time in in Phoenix. Go Suns, right?
1: Go Suns, baby. Go ASU, too.